I'm JG Michael, and this is Parallax Views. Hello, this is Mike Swanson. In a few moments, you're going to listen to another segment of Parallax Views. But before you do that, let me tell you about my new book, Why the Vietnam War. It's a sequel to my previous book called The War State, which has lots of positive reviews and Amazon's been out for years. But this one is a more detailed case study of how American Empire National Security State operate using Vietnam. And I believe it shows also how things work today, how policy is actually made and why. So grab the book on Amazon.com, Why the Vietnam War. This episode of Parallax Views is brought to you by the $10 tier and above supporters of Parallax Views on patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And those supporters get a producer's credit shoutout on each and every edition of the show. So producer's credit shoutouts to Mark, Arlen, Spartacus, Gunner, Ed, Gratz, James, Mickey, Brian, The Warner, The 42 Group, Nick, Emilia, Chase, Chris, Ork, Black Tuna, Nathan, David, Holland, Martin, Stu, Jeffrey, Thomas, Elliot, Colin, Michael, Matthew Ho, Brace, Galen, Chance, Justin, Nick W., and The Mere Project, M-E-E-R. Thank you again to all of those $10 tier and above supporters on my Patreon page. You can join them at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. It's those producers credit supporters that can really help this show keep going, and their support is very much appreciated. Turning overseas, where former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be on the brink of being the current Prime Minister again. Once again, his right-wing coalition has the most votes as of now after Israel's fifth election in four years. A little refresher on Netanyahu. He was forced to step down last year amid corruption charges, which, by the way, he is still currently on trial for right now. MTS Tayab is following all of it from London. MTS are saying it could be the most right-wing government in Israel in years, if not ever. Good morning. Tony, good morning to you. Yes, well, it looks all but certain Benjamin Netanyahu will make an extraordinary comeback from the political wilderness. But as you say, his return is being directly tied to the rise of his allies, Israel's extreme right and ultra-Orthodox political parties. For the first time ever, the far right have won the third largest number of seats in Israel's parliament. One of the main parties, known as the Jewish Power Party, is led by Itamar Ben-Gavir. His rhetoric is stridently anti-Palestinian. He suggested imposing the death penalty on Palestinians convicted of, on attacks on Jewish people. Now, this sharp shift rightward comes at a time of mounting violence. Since January, a series of Palestinian attacks have killed 19 people across Israel, while more than 130 Palestinians have been killed in confrontations with Israeli forces, making this the deadliest year since 2005. Netanyahu's return to power also fuels concerns by Arab neighbors, he will continue to obstruct negotiations for a Palestinian state. But allied Gulf countries see Netanyahu as a powerful culture, counterweight rather to Iran's growing influence across the region. Hey there, Parallax News listeners. On this edition of the show, Israeli activist and journalist Yossi Gervitz returns to discuss 
the meaning of Netanyahu and his far-right allies' victories in the recent 2022 elections. This conversation is going to cover a lot of ground. It goes very in-depth, not only on Netanyahu, but also the figures of Itamar Ben-Yiver and Bezalel Smotrich, two of the most far-right politicians that have allied themselves with Netanyahu's coalition. What does this mean for Israel and Palestine? Find out in the conversation to follow. Welcome back to Parallax Views, uh, a guest that I've found to be very valuable when talking about Israel. He is from Israel, uh, Yossi Gervitz. He's written for such publications as Mondo Weiss. How are you doing, Yossi? Um, actually, all things considered, uh, pretty damn well, um, given the shock. Well, we'll get into that. I guess the way I wanted to start this conversation out is... I have two articles pulled up about the Israeli elections, and these are from the past two days. One is titled, The Israel We Knew Is Gone, and the other is, Israel Election Results in Troubling Turn Toward Illiberal Democracy. And um, these are from two mainstream publications in the U.S., the New York Times and the Washington Post. And one of those articles uh, for my listeners is an op-ed by uh, Thomas Friedman. Uh, So... This is becoming very, very mainstream right now. What is happening in Israel? What is happening in Israel is uh, someone put it better than me. He said, politics are finally caught up with the culture. Uh, The culture has been uh, uh, Jewish supremacy for quite a while now. And politics are finally caught up. Now, what must be understood is everyone expected... The Knesset has 120 seats. Everyone expected one side to win 61 votes. Either side, nobody knew which. Uh, That's how it's been for the last several years. 61 to 59, 60 to 60. Uh, You can't really govern like this. Uh, A single member of Knesset can bring you down. And in these situations, every bastard becomes a king. That's what basically brought down the Bennett government. And everyone expected this to be on this line, 61-59. It's 65-55. That's a whole new ball game. Uh, and while Netanyahu has over 30 seats, I'm not sure if it's 32 or 31, um... The main non-use of this election is the 14 seats received by uh, religious Zionism, which is, uh, well, extreme right, extreme right doesn't cover it. Um, it's a full-blown Judeo-Nazi party uh, speaking about um, ethnic cleansing and exec- nothing like this in Europe. Uh I guess some of the more extreme Trumpists uh, right wing may be comparable. And they are influenced by one another. How so? How are they influenced? I'm just curious. Uh, much of uh, 
like many other right-wing institutions in Israel, um, religious Zionism is funded partly by uh, extreme right-wing um, donors from the U.S., who also fund uh, some of the more extreme Trumpist uh, groups. For instance, I don't have the name before me, but um, there is an extreme right channel, Channel 14, and it's funded by uh, by a billionaire who also supported the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So these guys are linked both by money and by influence because often uh, people from uh, religious Zionism are, are quoting evangelist verbatim, particularly regarding the culture war. I mean, if you look at their position regarding trans people, it's basically one-to-one. And as someone who grew up in a yeshiva, I can tell you that the, let's put it, mainstream religious texts say nothing about uh, trans people. So what has happened is uh, Netanyahu has, has pretty resolutely won yeah. in these elections. Uh, could you talk about the significance of that? Because Netanyahu was embroiled in a lot of um, scandals recently. So I, I think this came yeah. as a, a shock to some people, at least in the U.S. Maybe you could talk about what that entails. Okay, Netanyahu is right now uh, on trial for uh, on three cases on charges of um, deceit. Uh, that's that's a, that that's an offense related to uh, public officials. Uh, which says they have failed to fulfill their office. Uh, they they broke their vow of office by, for instance, taking advantage, um, taking money, and bribery. Um, his trial continued the day after after the elections. It will likely go on next week, but. I wouldn't place a bet on it uh, continuing too long. Netanyahu is still officially the uh, leader of the opposition. The final results have not been publicly pub- um, publicly announced. They will be turned over to the president on Tuesday, I think. And only then will they become official. Um, so technically, he's still the leader of the opposition. There has never been a case of an acting prime minister on trial. I think it's very likely his lawyers will make the uh, will make the case that he has been vindicated by the people. Now, this has absolutely no legal uh, importance. But I don't see how it, it does not influence judges. They are human beings like everyone else, and they have been giving him. They've been very lenient with him in the past two years, uh, giving him delay after delay, allowing his lawyers to uh, cross-examine witnesses in preposterous lengths. One cross one cross-examination lasted three three weeks. 
So I don't see I don't see this uh, trial coming to uh to a proper end. I think there's a chance the president might pardon Netanyahu using his victory in the elections as a pretext, saying you don't want um you want a prime minister to spend all his time on governing the country, not on appearing in courts. So then again, nobody knows how the Supreme Court would rule on this. But I, I think it's it's safe to say the judges are intimidated. So if we could, uh, you used the term earlier, Jewish supremacism. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're dealing in the U.S. with a lot of issues surrounding like very, very legitimate claims of, of uh, anti-Semitism being lobbied at people like Kanye West. And I do think uh, people like Kanye West are engaging in really noxious anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's a concern over, when people hear the term Jewish supremacism, we've heard that term in the US used by these hardcore white supremacist figures like David Duke. But I think when you're using the term Jewish supremacism, you're using it in a very different way than these um, sort of noxious right-wing okay. figures in the US. I'll be, I'll be very clear. Jewish supremacism, as I use it, as it is used in the, in Israel, and it's a common term, uh, refers to the belief, political, religious, and cultural belief, that Jews are superior to any others within the land of Israel. That is, that by their very existence, Jews have or ought to have more rights than Palestinians. This is what I mean by uh, Jewish supremacy. Now, of course, this concept of Jewish supremacy is based on religious concepts of superior, superiority of Jews to all other people. Uh, but here, when we use the term Jewish supremacy, we mean supremacy over non-Jews in Israel. More rights. Um for instance, uh, religious uh, Zionism has specifically been talking about denying voting rights to Israeli Palestinians. Their leader, Smotrich, said once um, they have members of Knesset for now, they have voting rights for now. And now they're in a, now, now religious Zionism is in a position to really squeeze Netanyahu. So since you mentioned uh, Smotrich, and I I'm, I don't want to butcher his name, but Betzalel, Betzalel, uh, Betzalel Smotrich and Itamar Benkvir. Uh, so uh, a, a friend of mine, Richard Silverstein, has described them as sort of the the most violent allies of uh, Netanyahu in, in terms of their rhetoric and whatnot. Could you tell? my listeners, a little bit more about these two figures. I know we've covered Itamar before uh, together on okay. this show, but um, maybe you can tell my listeners a little bit about Smotrich, and then we can uh, discuss Itamar uh, a little bit more in depth. Okay, let's begin with Smotrich. He's a lawyer. Uh, he's been a figure in, fi- in uh, um, far-right circles for about 20 years now. Um during the disengagement in 2005, the retreat of Israel from the Gaza Strip, Smotrich was arrested 
investigated but not charged of terrorism, specifically um, trying, okay, gathering 700 liters of fuel with the intention of blowing it in the middle of a major highway. Now, I repeat again, he was not charged. And it was this, uh, and it was freed later on. The year afterwards, he was involved in uh, organizing what he called the Beasts March, uh, which was supposed to be a counter demonstration um, against the Pride March in Jerusalem. The Beasts March, which was supposed to lead um, donkeys and other beasts of burden. For the Rujalem did not happen in the end, but it did gather significant media attention. And Smotrich is the cutting edge in demanding, uh, curtailing civil rights of Israeli Palestinians and ethnic cleansing of the West Bank. Real quick, is he like Itamer in in being? Um, I know we have to be careful about how we. Uh, refer to this, but is he another figure that, that sort of is um, following the footsteps of Kahane? He distances himself from Kahane. He, um, if I understand it correctly, um, he's considering himself to be a more thoughtful and more uh, planning figure than Kahane was. Um, he does appeal to the same crowd. But in this regard, Ben-Gvir is the, is the real heir. Uh, Ben-Gvir has been convicted of eight felonies regarding terrorism and support of terrorism, including uh, the distribution of terrorist, terrorist supporting uh, leaflets. He served, I don't think he actually served any time. He became notorious in 1995, when he reached the vehicle of Yitzhak Rabin, the then prime minister, and taking off, uh, it was Mercedes taking off that, you know, Mercedes sign off the vehicle and saying on camera, uh, as we reach the as we reach the symbol, we can also reach Rabin himself. Yeah, it, it's interesting to note that because uh, I believe this is the anniversary of Rabin's assassination today. Yeah, today, November fourth. But if there if there's anything else you can add about um, Itmer and and Smotrich, then oh well, their rivals. The Benkvir was considering running on on, on his own with Otsmaya Hudit, Jewish power. Uh, but Netanyahu forced their hands and made them uh, run in the elections together. He was very very careful not to not to waste any votes. And if they were running on their own, some votes would have been lost, and that's for certain. They don't like each other. Why, why is that? What's what's their um, sort of conflict between the two? Benkvir is, um, is a people's man. Okay. You can speak to anyone. During the, the disengagement, uh, I was a reporter for Nana, and he would send me stories and he knew precisely which stories to send me, those I had to react to. Uh, 
breaking, uh, arresting children, for instance, or, uh, arresting sexual children. The, 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 the prosecution basically went insane during this time. Um, he knows how to speak to reporters. He is the most covered politician in the country. Uh, he appeared on Channel 12, which is a major channel here, four times on one day while being only a member of Knesset, not a leader of any party, not a minister, just a member of Knesset. He knows how to speak to any crowd. Uh, in the past few weeks, he was even even visiting Kibbutzim, and I've yet to see the results, but I'm pretty sure he gathered some votes there. And Kibbutzim was supposed to be, you know, the bastion of, of the left wing. The fact that he was even invited there is significant. Because five years ago, nobody would touch him with, with, with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say it seems rather unprecedented how close he is to power at this point. I mean, I'm I'm hearing reports that he may be offered a, a senior ministerial position within Netanyahu's government. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I've, I've seen reports saying that that may be likely or that it's being signaled right now. He is gunning for the position of Minister of Internal Security. And Netanyahu said he did not reject it out of hand. But this is Israeli politics. Uh, the next month will be full of um, negotiations between all the parties. And Netanyahu basically now has two choices. One, creating an extreme right-wing government, which he can do easily. He has the votes. And this and this government can last. But if he does that, he will be branded as the Israeli Orban. He knows that. It's important to him to meet with American and European officials. So also he's conservative and very um, risk-averse. He never had such a government. He always had some center party in the government, which, if need be, would serve as uh, as a sacrificial goat, uh, blaming all the all, all the failures of the government on this party. He's done so several times, and I think his his instinct would be against a right wing party. Then again. If he breaks this chance, if he, I don't know, goes with Gantz instead of, um, he, he's a general, uh, he's running a general general's party. Um, he just proclaimed himself a right-wing man uh, two days before the election, as if we did not know that. Um, if he goes with Gantz, then he is destroying, then Netanyahu will be destroying his own political future. He will, the betrayal by the right would be so deep they wouldn't vote for him. This this is true. You, you mean the right wing would see them as him betraying them? Yeah. yeah. And I'm saying about a third of Likud would also see that. Of Likud voters. So um if he does that, he will do, he will do so knowing this is this is his last election. 
Well, he's, let me see, 74. So, yeah, that's about the right time to retire. Unless, again, uh, unless of course, you want to be Shimon Peres, but who made it to 90. But um, nobody knows. I expect, uh, well, we will know in a month or so. Okay, to be precise, we will know in, 14, in 47 days. I do believe, however, that Netanyahu will receive several unofficial calls from uh, the State Department, possibly from the uh, State Secretary, uh, who will quietly urge him to take guns and not Bankville. Uh, I don't know how much pressure will they put on him, but they will attempt it. It's interesting you mentioned that because um, Axios here in the U.S., actually a, a reporter from Tel Aviv that works for Axios, uh, Barak Ravid. Barak Ravid. Yeah, he just wrote um, a piece in Axios uh, saying the U.S. is unlikely to work with um, Jewish supremacists, and they're referring to Itamir Ben-Yiver there, if he's made a minister within the Netanyahu government. Okay. So we're we'll already like... starting to, to hear that, that what, mm-hmm. what you're saying there, yeah, that the Biden administration is very worried about this. And again, we have the Netanyahu family uh, angle. Um, by many accounts, what is going on uh, within the closed walls of the uh, Netanyahu residence is unprecedented. There has been an official testimony saying that uh, Netanyahu's elder son, Yair, um fondly referred to by many Israelis as penis kid um has on one occasion after Netanyahu supported a proposition of his then minister Moshe Kachlon bursts into the room where the discussion was, was held uh fell down on all fours, started barking, and then rose up, uh, clutched his crotch, made motions I won't repeat here, and then said to his father, uh, go on, suck Kachlon. Now, this is an official testimony in court, okay? Uh, About the... That's how to put it this delicately without getting uh, get, without getting sued about the um, inappropriate behavior of his wife. There have been dozens of reports. So, and we have we also have it on testimonial court that Netanyahu never takes this, never takes major decisions without consulting with his son and wife. So. It's likely that the decision would be made by uh, Netanyahu and Sarah Netanyahu much more than Benjamin Netanyahu. With regards to these parties like the Jewish Power Party, what role did Netanyahu play in maybe fanning the flames and, and getting these parties more mainstreamed? 
נתניהו מעיד מיינסטרים. During the last election, he uh, basically endorsed Bengvir. He told Likud voters to support um, religious Zionism. He even put one of religious Zionism's candidates on the Likud list, which is not likely legal, but he sent a religious Zionism candidate into the Knesset using Likud votes. Nobody dared to investigate him, not to mention prosecute him for this. But this is likely illegal. He did it anyway. He basically he broke the taboo on Bengvire. He met with him. He endorsed him. A few weeks back, he, would, he tried to take it back. Too late. But he made, he, made, he, he made him legitimate. He gave him legitimacy. He was prime minister at the time. Okay? This is the prime minister giving legitimacy to a Jewish supremacist party. What was his motivation for pandering to these sort of elements um, in, in the Israeli political life? Because it sounds like he's now in a situation where he's pandered to those elements, but he can't really control them anymore w- yeah. without risking losing his own uh, sort of hide in all this. Well, basic problem when, 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 riding, when riding a tiger. Um, he's, he's been calling to them because this is something, I, I don't know, Many people don't understand this. Uh, what's important in Israeli politics is not the number of seats a party gains, but the number of seats a block gains. For instance, most relevant uh, example, Naftali Bennett came into the last Knesset with six members of Knesset to his name. He demanded that the anti-Netanyahu bloc make him a prime minister. Otherwise, he said, he would take his six seats and go sit with Netanyahu. Okay. So, nothing like this has ever, has, has ever happened before. Usually, it's parties with 30, 25 seats trying to, you know, maneuver into the prime minister office. This time it was six, one of 20, okay? 5%, but everyone was sick of elections. That was the fourth. He, his bluff worked. He managed to create a government and then it, it immediately started falling apart. Um, Netanyahu was afraid of voters' apathy, Likud, in the last election, has lost some 300,000 votes. People simply didn't bother to come out out to the polls. And he was trying to make certain his bloc would be stronger. So um, he legitimized the extreme right, knowing that these people can get the votes. And they did. 
it, it, so is it fair what I said earlier that now, because I've seen other commentators say that he's sort of played with fire now where he really can't control uh, people like Edmer and, and the Jewish power party. Yeah, what happens when Tamar Benville goes up on uh, Temple Mount as he does about once a month? The whole country could blow up. So it's interesting. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that there's been some strong reactions uh, from the punditry here in the U.S. about this. You weren't as surprised by this, maybe, as some of these U.S. commentators. Why is that? No, because it's been uh, because it's been been brewing up for thirty years, and I've been writing about this for thirty years. So I'm not surprised. I'm shocked. This happens a bit sooner than I expected, but I'm not surprised. This was always in the cards. This was always the the terminus. They have no options left, okay? The Palestinians are not going anywhere. So, there are now slightly more Palestinians between the sea and the Jordan. That is full-blown apartheid state, okay? No two ways about it. Israel controls more Palestinians than it does Jews. And most of them do not have voting rights. How do you end this? One option? two-state solution, dead. Second option, one-state solution. And it has two versions. One is already in existence, apartheid state. The other is um, what we call here uh, a country of all its residents. The third option, which, uh, but of course, the, the very idea of a country of all its residents uh, is, a, is a horror to most Israeli Jews. This would mean the end of Jewish supremacy. Because now every Palestinian would have the same vote. So, parts of the right, particularly the religious right, have been speaking for over 30 years of ethnic cleansing and genocide. This is also, the third option that you were mentioning. Yeah. You can't let them vote. And they're not going away. Smotrich and Bengvir have been speaking this publicly. Smotrich called it the Joshua plan. Uh, according to a legend about uh, Joshua, the leader of the Israeli tribes who invaded uh, the land of Israel, that he would give the Palestinians the option of remaining, um, remaining, remaining as servile, i.e. no civil rights, emigrating, or being exterminated. Uh, technically speaking, by so doing, by so saying, he was breaking the Israeli law against incitement to genocide, against propagating and inciting genocide, which says that uh, inciting genocide is to be considered just as genocide itself, and to be punished by death. This is one of the few laws that still carry the death penalties in Israel. 
and I took the quotes and I sent them to sent them to the prosecution. And I said, I refer you to this law of 1950, oh, Article D. They never get back to me. Um, well, I tried to get some lawyers involved, but nobody wanted to. Some many of them said, "Look, it's uh, it's a death penalty issue. I am opposed to death penalty, so I, I won't take it." But technically, that's the law, and nothing was done. So yeah, it's on the table now. The same people who speak about exterminating Palestinians also speak about the creation of the Third Temple and about abolishing Israeli democracy and recreating, I don't know how they're going to do it, a Jewish theocracy. Now, there never was a Jewish theocracy. They don't have the laws for it. They don't know how to handle it. While there was some theocratic rule, without with very few exceptions, it was under foreign rulers. When it was under Jewish rulers, uh, the Asmoneans, what happened was civil war. A long civil war, about 60 years of civil war. They don't know how to do it. It never existed, but yet they say, look, it's in the prayer book. We're praying for this three times a day. And they have a point there. It's interesting. Um, I remember back in June, we had spoke, uh, I'd had you on the show uh, to discuss uh, some events happening in, in Israel. And you said that you um, were just waiting for the penny to drop. I think what you meant by that is you're saying, you know, you're waiting for others to recognize what you've already long known. Do you think people are starting to realize the things that you've uh, concluded? I think it's too early to say. I mean, it's three days since the election. I think the penny will drop. Some of the Israeli left are already understanding it. I have little uh, hopes for the Zionist left, which was wiped out. There are only four members now of labor because the Zionism always came before the left views. And Zionism is a form of Jewish supremacy. Zionism is basically the concept that Jews have special rights in Palestine. Now, some people are very shy and would even be shocked uh, of thinking or sounding like Smotrich. But in the end, it's just the same. We must have a Jewish state with a Jewish majority. And what if you can't have it? Meltdown. So some of these people, I think, when they will have to face the, cho the choice, either Zionism or humanism, will choose Zionism. They will not be in the vanguard. They will be 
uh, embarrassed by what they're doing, but they will. Others, however, will break, will break out of the Zionist mainframe. It's now time to see how, how many and uh, how far. Has there been a, a, a strong reaction against, you know, the, the results of the election? I, I mean, in the, are, are there people that are concerned in Israel with Netanyahu's victory? There has been a great gnashing of teeth, okay? Um, basically, the left parties here concentrated their campaign on, on uh, Ben-Gvir and Smotrich, okay? That was a bad choice, I think. It didn't work for merits at all. But this is what they did. So there have been a few cases of gay people voting for uh, Ben Gvir and belatedly realizing and saying, what? I didn't know that. Well, it didn't matter to, to, uh, to look down. It was there all the time. And so some people are shocked, but I think that people who are politically conscious are running like a headless chicken right now, but um, they're not shocked. We've, we've known who these people are. Out of curiosity, you said that uh, you think the left party is focusing on Smotrich and uh, Ben Giver uh, wasn't the smartest move. Why do you say that? Just out of curiosity. Because you would never convince a Smotrich voter not to vote for Smotrich when speaking as a left party. And there's nothing at all you can do about that. And your left-wing voters want you to say something which is related to them, um, some positive message, you know? You, uh, you're running on, on doom and gloom. You're running the risk that some people will be so, so despair, they will not turn out to vote. What's the point? It's all going down in flames. So what for me, and I voted ballot this time. Uh, okay, full disclosure, I used to be a member of Meretz's, um Wow, I'm looking, I'm looking for a term. Um, basically, it's, it's a body of a thousand members who decides who the MKs will be. Okay. I left Meretz about three years ago. Um, but I have st still have strong feelings. I was a member of, an activist of the party for 30 years, on and off. So it's being wiped out is, uh, is hard. But you can't run, basically the merits campaign was twofold. One, Smotrich is horrible. Yes, we know that. To help, 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 we're not getting past the threshold. And and this Gewalt campaign, they've been running it ever since 2009. And it was wrong every time. And the polls did a very bad job of, job of predicting it. So people said, oh, that's wolf guy again. Better ignore it. Are there any other feelings you see um, with regards to the Israeli left? Like what what has the Israeli left done, you know, wrong in sort of combating the rise of the extreme right in Israel, uh, other than what you've already mentioned? 
Okay. Um, we have to get back to the second intifada. During the, the during that period, Palestinian uh, terrorists. Okay, uh, I'm not labeling attacking soldiers as terrorism. I think uh, you're taking a gun into an occupied country. Well, you're running a calculated risk. You're legitimate targets, but they blew up buses and restaurants, and that amounts to crimes against humanity. And they did so time and time again in a very concentrated period of time. I missed two exploding buses. Okay. Okay, one was a, one bus exploded. And then a suicide bomber tried to board a bus um, which came into the station a minute after my bus my bus left. So this shook many Israelis. This was a horrible time. We are still uh, going for it. It caused PTSD to many people here. Now, again, we kill about four times as they did. Okay? And most of the people who killed were civilians. But it shook the Israeli body politic. And the left wing had no plan. Okay. Oslo was the only was the only plan. It wasn't it was obviously impractical after two thousand and four. And they couldn't come up with another plan because another plan means we're abandoning the two-state solution. And what's left is embracing some sort of one-state solution. And we can't have that. So whenever it comes to security and peace policy, the Israeli left was running on fantasy. And the voters saw that. And... The voters made the calculation, well, it is actually sort of one seat now, isn't it? And it's running rather, rather well, so why change anything? And that's when the, the left was wiped out. So there's just a few more things I want to cover here. Um, since we had talked about Itamar Ben-Giver, uh, there's a lot more news reports here in the U.S. about him now. And a lot of them... Um, and I, I understand why they do this because of you know journalistic um, ethics and whatnot. But they'll they'll always write about how Ben Gibber himself uh, says, "Oh no, I've distanced myself from. I, I'm a man of everyone." Uh, you, you know, he sort of tries to distance himself from being being labeled too extreme, right? So how how would you respond to this idea that that Ben Gibber has has changed? He's not the same. Uh, but giver of of the days of of Rabin. I would reply with lol. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The guy had a picture of Baruch Goldstein, who massacred uh, dozens of Palestinians in the uh, cave of the patriarchs in '94, on his living room. Wall. He had it there for years. He only removed it a year ago when he realized 
it could be used against him in court because the courts, you know, one of the laws here says you can't run a racist party. Well, rather that a racist party can't run. And having the picture of a mass murderer on the wall is rather telling the court, I'm a racist, kick me out. So he took the picture off. I'm pretty certain it's somewhere else in the house where reporters don't get. Okay. He took it off the wall. And then he started saying, I don't really hate homosexuals. I'm fine with them. Just not in public. Okay. And but he never walked back. He never walked back any of his real beliefs. He just changed enough for the courts who can be extremely blind and for the media. And his followers knew he was playing a game, knew that he was playing a game all the time. Everybody knew it except the judges and the media. I've I've known him for 20 years. I once saved him from a false arrest. He's one of the sharpest men in any room. I've seen him run circles around, around, around prosecutors in court. He is a consummate media man, and it's very, very hard to tackle him. He's one of the... And he's been... He told me in 2004, he will be the leader of the religious revolution here, okay? He does, He didn't change. He merely switched methods. I was going to add to that. I mean, I, I think he is a very astute man in the sense of, you know, I, I, I think he would say that he's not, he's not a Kahanist. He's merely a follower of Kahane, which I think is a very ah. astute... I, I think that's a very astute game to play, right? Because, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, I believe the Koch party is uh, banned in Israel. So he can't really say I'm I'm a member of, yeah. You can't say you're a member uh, uh, of Koch because that's an illegal terrorist organization. But you can say I'm a follower of Kahana because our prosecutors are stupid. Is it possible that... Where do you see all of this headed next? I, I, I know that's a difficult question to ask. I don't want to get too speculative, but um, what, what are the worst outcomes we could see in the next few years? Worst, worst outcome in the next few years? Well, uh, regional conflagration uh, happening after Benvir uh, goes up Temple Mount once more. That's the, I think, the most visible option. Uh, we are likely to see more Palestinians killed with no investigations. Though I think it will have to work very hard to uh, uh, kill more Palestinians than, than the Pete's government. 
which has been exceeding the quotas. He demands that the wait a minute, ROE rules of engagement uh, be changed, allowing free hand to soldiers. They have already been changed, which is why there are so many dead. And it is very likely that come the next election, and we don't know when that would be. Could be a year, could be four years. Uh, he will incite Israelis, Israeli Jews to violence against Palestinians. Because violence and counter-violence is what makes this game worthwhile, plausible. So, these are options. I think we'll see, I think they will pick on trans people and the LGBT community in general. And we'll pass some ineffective laws against human rights organizations. Otherwise, you said ineffective, right? Or ineffective, ineffective. Then again, they might pass some effective ones, and depending on the, depending on the courts, would be would be intimidated. This could happen too. Israel never had a free judiciary. And it certainly doesn't have one now. But their main goal would be to dismantle several parts of the legal regime in order to get Netanyahu out of his trial. So another question I had, does Itamar Ben-Giver have aspirations, say, to, to one day be you know, the prime minister of Israel? I mean, I, I, I guess hey, we can't really not? say either way. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Bennett managed to uh, extort it with six hits. Tengir already had six hits. Why not? Then again, this will probably be more responsibility than he is ready for. Because, you know, once you're on this sit, you can't say, well, it's, not, it's out, of, out of my control. I really wanted to, but I couldn't. You can't, well, you can. That's an L done that time and again. But it doesn't cut much slack. Once you're in this seat, you're responsible for everything. Also, since you mentioned the Temple Mount and his visits to the Temple Mount, can you explain that situation more and why it's so volatile? Okay, Temple Mount is in the middle of the old city of Jerusalem. It's considered by Judaism to be the place where uh, two temples were built. Um, one we know of, one is the other is probable. Um, by uh, Christians to be a holy site, well, uh, Jesus, some say Jesus ascended to heaven. Not all Christian churches say that. And by the Muslims, because according to their legend, Muhammad, uh, the, the prophet, ascended to the heavens there. Now, um, this place is holy for religions, 
Christianity is really out of the game uh, since the 16th century. But um, Islam and Judaism are pretty much in the game. It doesn't help that the beginning of Palestinian identity way back in the 13th century is that the Palestinians are the, custod- the custodians of Al-Aqsa. And Al-Aqsa has been uh, a part of Palestinian nationalism since it began. It's more than a holy site. It's a national site. Jews have not been allowed to pray on Al-Aqsa until the last few years. That's been part, that, that's been part of the uh, peace agreement with Jordan. Jordan and its religious officials control the Temple Mount, Al-Aqsa, to be precise. And allowing Jews to pray on Al-Aqsa is changing the status quo. These, the Netanyahu government changed the status quo because it was pandering to the, to the extreme right. And uh, the Bennett-Lapid government was too frightened to restore the status quo to what it was. Now, um, Temple Mount was never a prayer site for Jews. It was the place of the temple were you sacrificed? When Jews say they want to uh, get on Temple Mount and pray due to their uh, religious feelings, they are basically lying, basically lying to you. The point is political, not religious. And as the Palestinians see the rights on the mountain being encroached on time and time again, they have often responded to violence because they have no other resort. They are not Israeli citizens. And the courts will not hear them. So violent assaults by Israeli riot police on Temple Mount have become frequent. And at one point, I presume, there will be a breaking point. It's, it's playing with fire, playing with dynamite, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you have to get going, but in closing, I just want you to address one last thing. I, I promise to let you go yeah. after this. But um, you said that, I think you said at the beginning of our conversation that Israeli politics is catching up with the culture. Uh, maybe you could just explain what you meant by that. Israeli culture has been more religious and more Judeocentric for the past 10 years. And yet, politics basically remained on the same lines. Uh, We always had religious parties. We still do. But um, the culture has become more and more supremacist regarding Judaism. And the parties with the exception of religious Zionism, have failed uh, to march up with the culture. Now, 
it's very hard to discern between religious Zionism and Likud. It's almost impossible to uh, discern between religious Zionism and Shas and Yadut Torah, uh, Torah, Torah Judaism, which are the two ultra-Orthodox parties. Their rhetoric, the rhetoric of the two religious parties have become extremely nationalist because they know religious Zionism is eating up their electorate and getting the voters because their message is much more exciting. So all four parties of the Netanyahu bloc are speaking in very, very similar terms and politics have caught up with culture. Well, Yosti Gervitz, uh, we'll have to talk again in, in the future at some point uh, as mm-hmm. developments further. Yeah, like me, like me asking you for, uh, for help on my uh, refugee uh, application. Uh... <laughs> I, well, that that's the other thing. I, I've seen some people say, oh, sure, this these elections are bad. What has happened is bad. But the policies are just going to stay the same. It's it's going to be as bad as it was. And I I think it we're seeing the potential for policies getting worse in Israel. And I, I was wondering if you agree or disagree with that. I think we, we don't have enough information at the t- right now. But I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if there is a uh, radicalization. Shocked, but not surprised. Well, thank you again, Yossi Gervitz. It's been a pleasure. Well, that does it for this edition of Parallax Views. I hope that you found my conversation with Yossi Gervitz to be enlightening. And as always, if you appreciate the work here I do at Parallax Views, please, please, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And with that being said, 